Hey everybody, this is Katie. Uh, a few weeks ago, we put out a call for folks who are working or have interest in the intersection of data science and topics in racism, racial justice, that kind of thing, this um, important topic that we're having this national conversation about, asking folks who were working in the overlap of those two areas to get in touch and tell us about what they're working on, because it's really important. And I am very excited today to be welcoming Todd Hendricks, who's one of the folks who reached out to us. Todd, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, and so, Todd, we're going to talk about uh, a policing data set that you've been working with. And in general, I'm really looking forward to hearing about what you found as you've explored that more. You are listening to Linear Digressions. All right, Todd. So before we jump into the topic of the day, I would love if you could give a quick introduction, introduce yourself to the audience a little bit. What's your background and how did you come upon the data set that we're going to talk about here together? Sure. So um, my name is Todd Hendricks. I'm um, in the Bay Area um, in data science. Um, I have worked in renewable energy industry for um, a few years now. And, um, you know, on the, on the side, I've kind of really um, always had kind of a social conscious. And so, um, you know, given that we are where we are today in the national conversation we're having, um, I really kind of turned up my, my interest in engaging and trying to find ways to um, at least understand um, the issues better and ultimately hopefully make uh, a positive impact. Um, so I heard your uh, episode episode a couple weeks ago and was really excited about that and reached out and I'm glad we're able to talk today. Yeah, same. Tell us a little bit about that. When you reached out, there was a particular data set that you told me about. I hadn't known about it before and I'm betting a lot of our listeners haven't either. Let's start there. Tell me a little bit about the data set that you brought up with me. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm record we're recording this in early July. Um, George Floyd, uh, the death of George Floyd was um, a couple of months ago now, I guess. And uh, like so many other people, I was just really haunted by that. And I spent, you know, a few days just looking for data sets um, that could really just help me understand this criminal justice and, um, frankly, just black males. Um, you know, as a black male, it's just really disheartening to be singled out um, in the way that we have been historically. So I stumbled upon the Stanford um, Open Policing Project, um, which they seem to have been working on it for um, a while now. What it is, is a national um, repository of um, traffic stops at the city level um, for all of the major cities uh, across the country. And, um, you know, it's of varying quality, just depending on, you know, which city you're looking at. But 
um, I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, we can kind of dig into the details a little bit more. Yeah, that let's do that. So the first thing that jumped out at me is I looked a little bit at the link on the the website that you sent me. We'll have a link on lineardigressions.com for folks to check this out themselves. But what I recall seeing is kind of a high level description of the data set saying, here's where the data comes from. And then kind of in matrix format, here's the data that's actually present in um, in the files that you can download. And the thing that pops out at you immediately is there are some fields that are almost always present and there are other fields that are almost never present in terms of what actually gets collected. Um, and so that was one of the first things that leapt out to me as a data scientist is how challenging that missing data problem probably is even from the get-go when it comes time to do any analytics on that data set. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it highlights um, from a policy perspective, um, you know, if we're going to get serious about this issue, um, you know, at a national level, I think, you know, we, we need to find some kind of common ground as to what data is required. And I'd like to give out uh, a shout out to uh, Campaign Zero. Hopefully you can um, link to them in the show notes there. Uh, one of the many awesome organizations that are, you know, advocating for criminal justice reform, and um, uh, that that's one of their recommendations. Um, you know, another glaring omission, I think, is uh, the absence of the arresting officer information. Um, you have pretty basic metadata like. The, the date and the time and, you know, where it was, but the, I feel like the really interesting information, um, you know, leading up to, to uh, the, the arrest is, you know, at a minimum, it's inconsistently um, defined, um, if it's present at all. And, and I will note that, um, you know, this data set is specific to traffic stops. Um, and it captures, you know, police actions that, that follow the traffic stop, whether it be, um, you know, a search of a vehicle, uh, a citation issued and so forth. So it's pretty interesting. So what format does the data come in? Is it a series of like CSVs effectively? Yeah. CSVs and, um, you, you know, some of the bigger like state, the state patrol for California, like has, you know, 31 million stops. So it just depends on, yeah. Yeah. So, um, some of them, uh, probably don't fit on the machine, but, uh, yeah, it comes in CSV. Okay. Interesting. And part of the reason that I ask is for folks who were listening also a week or two ago. Now we had another interview guest who was, um, a, PhD student in criminology and also worked a lot in uh, related issues. I'm I'm blinking right now on the exact area where he was. He was also like a working data scientist, though, so works a lot with these data sets. And he was pointing out that you know part of the challenge, besides having access to the raw data, is it being in any kind of like machine readable format. And so 
uh, it's something that we data scientists sometimes take for granted that like data for us often like starts in a CSV, but even getting it to that point is a non-trivial exercise. So when I, when I hear about that actually being the state of the world, I, uh, I'm actually pretty appreciative of that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure it takes a lot of work to get it in the form now. I'll just note that, um, you know, some of the, the interesting columns, like the violation column is, is just string data. So, um, you know, there's a fair amount of parsing that, that, you know, or pre-processing to get it to a state where you can do something with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are some of the, as, as someone who has explored this data set a little bit more, uh, what are some of the things you've done with it? What are some of the possibilities you think it offers to uh, an analytical approach to this kind of thing? Yeah, so um, I live in the Bay Area, and so I was interested in, um, you know, what was taking place in San Francisco. And, you know, part of part of what motivated that is, you know, in some of the commentary uh, around George Floyd, um, you know, there was the observation that Minneapolis is supposed to be, you know, a liberal place. And, you know, we saw how the, the police department um you know, we're learning about the issues that they have. And so I thought, you know, well, San Francisco is in a similar situation. Um, you know, there's a lot of gentrification happening in San Francisco, which presents its own challenges. Anyway, that was the context with, that motivated me looking at San Francisco. And, um, you know, San Francisco is 5% black, um, but in terms of raw numbers, um, you know, they, they basically, there's the same amount of arrests among the black population as the white population, which is about 45%. Um, and so you start to see this huge kind of imbalance when you start looking, you know, digging into, all right, who's getting arrested after traffic stops? Who's getting their car searched after traffic stops? Um, and I actually ran a couple of models on the car search, um, you know, piece following a traffic traffic stop. Who is getting the car searched? And um, you know, clearly it was African Americans was the feature importance was particularly high on them. Um, and it just so find out just to find out that um, you know a few months ago the district attorney here. Um, adopted the recommendations from the Department of Justice that they stop doing racially motivated um, car searches. So I found that out after I was playing with the data, but, uh, you know, the data clearly showed that that's, that's what was going on, or, or at least, you know, there was some, some bias happening there. There's something else that you mentioned in there, too, that I thought was interesting. I'd like to expand on it. It was the mention that, you know, there's a perception perhaps that there's like blue cities that might you might naively expect to have better racial equity. Again, that might be a very naive impression. And I'm wondering if that was something that you looked at in the data, kind of our, our naive perception of where we would expect racial issues to be the worst or maybe data collection practices around racial data for uh, traffic stops in this case, like if that matches up with 
maybe what you would have guessed at the beginning of the the uh, project. Yeah. So when you look at the different localities, I think we all kind of have preconceptions about um, you know which which parts of the country are you know better on race than than others. Um, and it's really interesting that you know when you look at this matrix view of what data is available, you know North Carolina is actually doing better than a lot of different places. And, you know, being that it's a Southern state, the whole history there, at least I wouldn't have assumed that North Carolina um, is as good on capturing data as they are. And then you look at a city like Los Angeles, um, which, you know, it's a blue city and a blue state. And, you know, the only thing that they have really is the very basic metadata and they don't have anything about, um, you know, the officer's reasoning for the stop. There's just a big glaring hole on what data that they're capturing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm making this argument on the assumption that, you know, if we're interested in change, we have to start with having good data and, um, you know, it's just surprising that some of these places don't have better data than than what you'd expect. Yeah, and if, and that was, if I recall correctly, what you mentioned earlier as, as one of the focal areas for Campaign Zero. Is that right? Like, it it sounded from what you said like um, part of what they're pushing for is a kind of more national set of standards and data collection practices so that we can pool and aggregate our data and it's high quality for analysis on a national level. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they've got a data scientist uh, on staff. His name's Sam Sengawe, I think. I'm probably butchering it. Um, but, you know, he's made this this argument um, and continues to make this argument. So that's one of the many great things that, that they're doing at Campaign Zero. Cool. And I think one other thing that leaps out to me listening to you talk about this, and we all knew it naively, but it's just very striking, is that, you know, because of the way that this data gets collected, because we know that the traffic stops, for example, have all kinds of biases and how they even occur in the first place, that in terms of finding correlations and things like you know, feature importances when you build models, you can see what some of those relationships are when the data is present. But when you're talking about, in the case of San Francisco, trying to understand why and having to go back to, you have to go outside of the data set proper to to get the further context about, you know, say the district attorney changing around policies and giving you some context here. Um, and I think that's just like a really important aspect of working with this data and one that I wanted to spend a little bit more time just talking through is that uh, it enables a lot of important analyses, but there's also a lot of important limitations for some of those deeper causal questions, especially. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at this data set, one of the, the columns is, you know, reason for stop, for the stop. And that's presumably the you know arresting officer who's putting that that information there. And 
you know, I, I, I struggle with that being presented as, um, you know, an objective data point when it's really a data point that's being provided by someone who's actively involved and has an incentive to, um, I, I don't want to ascribe ulterior motives, but there is an incentive to present this incident in the best light. And so when you get into modeling and, and trying to, you know, use reason for stop as a feature, um, you know, I, I just, I have concerns about that. Um, some of the other, um, you know, limitations I think are, um, you know, search performed, um, you know, search conducted, after the fact, it's really easy to to justify um, that path. So I guess I'm saying kind of the same thing in that um, you know, some of these data points are a little bit shaky, you know. So zooming out for a second then, Todd, what you mentioned at the beginning of this is you were, the reason that you started looking at this data set in the first place was thinking, you know, here is an issue I care about. We know that there's imperfect data that's being collected about it, but there is data. Um, and trying to think through how you as a data scientist could bring some of that experience and, um, you know, your interest in this subject, your, how much you care about it together with the availability of data. And so I'm, I'm curious when you look back at this, what you've learned so far from that lens, if you are generally satisfied and you're finding that at least with this data set that you have available to you as a an interested sort of lay person who anybody with a computer can access this data set if you have found it generally a satisfying experience and the data set is giving you a good set of material to work with or maybe maybe you find yourself with more questions after you've done some of this analysis than you had when you started. I'm curious from that perspective, what this project has been like for you. Yeah, I certainly think that it raises um, more questions than, than it answers, which, you know, is, is good. Um, I, I think I came away with, you know, a healthier appreciation for just how complex um, something as innocuous as a traffic stop can be. Um, you know, there are so many different decisions, uh, you know, taking place on, on both sides, the officer, the person, um, you know, being pulled over, that doesn't make its way to the data. And so, you know, when I'm, when I was taking a look at the, the data, just in an exploratory context, these outcomes are coming out quite clearly. Um, you know, you can basically, you know, find out what you need to find out in terms of outcomes pretty quickly. But what's the mechanism that's driving that outcome um, and and how do you find it 
in the data. Um, I haven't been able to, to answer that question satisfactorily, but um, I think that that's something that's going to kind of nag me. And I think um, it'd be interesting if, if I, some of the listeners want to engage uh, with this data. Um, it'd be cool to find out kind of how they, what they find from the data. Yeah, so that seems like a good opportunity to just recap for folks who are now interested in poking at this data set a little bit uh, themselves. We'll have a link on lineardigressions.com, but you said the um, the name of the data set is the Stanford Open Policing Project. Um, and then also Campaign Zero as another another organization that we mentioned here that is pushing for kind of more standardized and uniform data collection practices exactly so we can do some of these apples to apples comparisons. Great. Uh, so Todd, uh, Todd Hendricks, thank you again. Uh, before we let you go, uh, since we have a little bit of an audience here, you are currently entertaining uh, folks who might be looking for a data scientist to join their team. So if, if anyone is intrigued and wants to you know, potentially work with you as a colleague or something. Uh, is there a place where they can reach you, get in touch? Yeah, um, I uh, I'll make sure to give you my email, and maybe you could put it in the um, show notes. But uh, it's hendricks.ta at gmail dot com. Uh, great, and you have a LinkedIn profile too, right? I think you do. Uh, I do. You can find me on LinkedIn. Todd Hendricks, H E N D. R-I-C-K-S. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll hook you up there too. Um, yeah, so any of you who are listening right now, um, if you want somebody to talk about policing data with, Todd is your person, or also if you're just looking to hire a data scientist in, uh, in the Bay Area. Um, thank you again so much, Todd, for number one, reaching out. Uh, number two, being so generous with your time to come talk about this stuff. Um, I know I've learned a lot. I'm sure most of the people listening to this have too. And it, yeah, I'm glad that we as a community are finding opportunities to learn more about, uh, like racial issues through data sets, but I think also learning about how we have some space to be better. So I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that in a little bit more detail here today. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the podcast and um, you and Ben. And so um, this is this is awesome to be with you here. So um, thanks for the opportunity. Well, pleasure is all mine, truly. Thanks. Linear Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.